Good morning and welcome to St Anne's for our Sunday morning service. I can't wait for the day when we can meet together. But in the meantime, this online service is the next best thing. We're still able to sing together. We can still hear God's word being read. We can still listen to it being explained and applied. And we can still pray together even though we're apart. But I still long for the day when I can stand at the front and see all your smiling faces as we worship God together and encourage one another. Well, on that note of encouragement, I wanted to begin by reading a psalm, one of the songs of the Bible. It's Psalm 46, and it's entitled this, For the Director of Music of the Sons of Korah, According to Alamoth, a song. It says this, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You see, verse one sums it all up. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. God is our refuge. We can hide in him until any storm passes. Whatever it is that we may want to flee from, God can protect us. And God is our strength. We can trust in him for whatever we need that we have. He can do what we are unable to do. And because of these things, verse 2 says we don't need to fear. In fact, even if the earth gave way, if the mountains fell into the heart of the sea, and that sounds pretty horrific, even then we'd still have nothing to fear. God is still our refuge and still our strength. You see, he is an ever-present help in trouble. He's not going anywhere. He's not going to leave us. And because of who God is, he's able to protect us, not just from physical problems, but from spiritual problems as well. He can deal with the power of sin, with the power of darkness. He is stronger. And that's what our song today reminds us. God is the king of glory, the king above all kings. And yet he chose to take our place. His son, Jesus, chose to die for us on the cross. Isn't that amazing grace? So let's sing and praise God for who he is and what he's done for us.
fact that your son Jesus Christ took our place on that cross, that we deserve to be there, Lord, because of what we have done, because we turn away from you. And yet, Father, your son went there instead of us. He took the punishment. He paid the price that we deserve. And Father, that is hard to understand, really hard to understand. So Father, we thank you so much for that. We thank you, Lord, that even though we don't understand the depths of it or the wonders of it as much as we should, that yet it is still true that because of Jesus, we can be set free. We can be forgiven. So, Father, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before Stuart reads Malachi uh, chapter 2 for us, I wanted to update you on a few things to do with church. Our weekly online services continue as usual this week, coffee time straight after this service. Um, it normally ends around about midday. So if you're watching this a little bit later than, um, than live, you're still really welcome to join us um, if you're finishing this before midday. On Wednesday, our Wednesday reflection will be available from 8 a.m. St. Anne's Stars, our toddler group, again, meets on Thursday mornings on Facebook and the pub quiz as usual on Zoom on Saturday evenings. Now on Thursday evening, we had our first online what if course. It was a bit different, not being in the cricket club, not being able to meet physically with each other, but it was still a great opportunity as Ian um, started on the first question, what if God exists? It was great to think about that, to be able to chat a bit and think through what it all means to discuss things and to ask some questions as well. If you'd like to join us and are sad that you've missed the first week, well, it's not too late. You've only missed one. There are four more to go. Send an email um, to whatif at saintannesegbirth.com. The address should be on the screen below my face. Whatif at saintannesegbirth.com. 
And if you email that, then I'll let you know how you can join us uh, for the next few weeks. It's this Thursday evening and we're starting around about 7 p.m. and it would be great to have you with us. Now I'm going to hand over to Stuart, who's going to read God's word for us. And then Ian will bring us this week's sermon. Over to you, Stuart. Good morning. I'm Stuart Crow, and I'm going to read from Malachi chapter 2. And now, you priests, this warning is for you. If you do not listen, and if you do not resolve to honour my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse on you, and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have already cursed them, because you do not resolve to honour my honour me. Because of you, I will rebuke your descendants. I will smear on your faces the dung from the festival's sacrifices, and you will be carried off with it. And you will know that I have sent you this warning, so that you may convent with levy may continue, says the Lord Almighty. My convent was with him, a convent of life and peace, and I gave them to him. This called for reverence and revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth and nothing false was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned many from sin. For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge because he is a messenger of the Lord Almighty and people seek instruction from his mouth. But you have turned from the way and by your teaching have caused many to stumble. You have violated the convent with levy, says the Lord Almighty. So I have cursed you to be despised and humiliated before all people because you have not followed my ways, but have shown partiality in matters of the law. Do we not have one Father? Did not one God create us? Why do we profane the convents of our ancestors by beginning unfaithful to one another. Judea was unfaithful, a descendant thing that is committed in Israel and Jerusalem. Judea has desecrated the sanctuary the Lord loves by marrying women from worship of a foreign God. As for the man who does this, whoever he may be, may the Lord remove him from the tenants of Jacob, even though he brings an offering to the Lord Almighty. Another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and wail because he's no longer looks with favour on your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You ask why? Is this because the Lord is the witness between you and the wife of your youth? Have you been unfaithful to her? Though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage convent? Has not the one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. And what does one God seek? Godly offspring. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. The man who hates divorce, his wife, says the Lord, the God of Israel, does violence to the one he should protect, says the Lord Almighty. So be on your guard, do not be unfaithful. You have weird the Lord with your words. Why have I weird him, you ask? By saying, all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, and he is pleased with them. Or, where is the God of justice? This is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. Morning, everyone. Lovely to see you this morning. I'm picking up this week on Malachi chapter 2, the reading that we've just had read to us. And it's following on from where Gary left us last week, where he talked to us about Malachi chapter 1. And I want us to ask this very important question as we start to look at this chapter today. What is God wanting to say to me through this message this morning? But more importantly, I want to ask the question, what's going to change because of it? What am I going to do because of the challenge that I'm going to hear this morning? You see, it's all well and good listening to the service online and watching these services each week and then simply turning off the computer and carrying on with our lives as normal. Because if we do that, then we are actually, without knowing it, doing exactly what Malachi is warning us about in this chapter. And that's really not engaging with the heart of the message. See, right at the heart of this chapter is a challenge to the Jewish people. And the challenge is one about their heart and about their intention. The Jews have just returned from exile, if you like, and they find themselves becoming disillusioned with life. They're questioning God's love for them. It seemed that those who are doing wrong are the ones that actually prosper while those who are living according to God's standards seem to be coming off worse. And so they've kind of stopped trying, if you like. And I suppose you could say they've lost interest in God and they've become apathetic in their faith. And their offering in the temple reflects this, doesn't it? And hence in chapter one, they only really give the leftovers to God and not the very best of what they have or the first fruits of their harvest. They're not offering a tithe or a tenth of their income, as was expected. And Malachi challenges them on this. And he says that they're guilty of dishonouring God with their lesser offerings. The almighty God, who has shown his love in so many ways to them, who has been faithful to them. He's led them out of slavery. The God who does not change, as we'll read later in this book. He is the God who promises salvation. And this God is offended by their menial offerings. I wonder, could the same be said about what we bring and what we offer to God? Now, listening to what I've just said, it's quite clear that we find ourselves in comparable times, don't we? So many people are either completely disengaged with God or just not interested. There are those whose faith is there, but it's not the be-all and end-all, and they could take it or leave it. And we see this played out in lots of different ways, don't we? Through people's commitment to, to church activities, to church socials, even to our church services, and people's sacrificial giving to God reflects where they are with God. And it's a known statistic across the board that 80% of our church's income comes from only 20% of the congregation. The challenge of this message is, which category do we fit into? Is it the 80% or is it the 20%? And just an aside, but I think it's important for people to hear this, all the income that we generate as a church comes from people's giving. We don't have a set budget that is given to us by the diocese or by the national church each year. We have to raise all our own income and it comes from the people who give. 
Now, last week, Gary mentioned how his family practiced sacrificially giving a tithe, a tenth of their income, and that's after tax and national insurance has been deducted, um, and they give that to God's work. And in my family, we also practice that same biblical principle. And that's something that we feel is important, that we honour God with the best of what he gives to us. So that's why on the first of each month, if you like, payday for us, our direct debit to St Anne's goes out of the bank account. And we offer that first and foremost, before anything else goes out. And it's, it's then that we're giving the best of what we have, and we have what's left to live on. And it's by doing that that it shows where our heart is and where our intention is. And I suppose this is a thrust of the message this morning. You see, it's all to do with our heart and the intent of our heart. That's the key thing in all of this. You see, the Jews had lost heart and their giving reflected this. As did their way of life, as we'll find out in the rest of this chapter, which I'll touch on in just a minute. But in the first nine verses, we see the priests. They've also lost their way and they're being reprimanded by God for not fulfilling their priestly duties in the way that was expected of them. And instead, it seems that they've actually begun to set the wrong examples in their personal lives. And by doing that, they've misled people. And they've actually, this has resulted in drawing the people further away from God and God's purposes. Those of us who are involved in church leadership of any kind within the church need to take real heed of this warning and this challenge. And then we move into the rest of chapter 2. Malachi gives us a long warning about marriage and divorce. Now, I don't want to get into what is a really complicated and, and a deeply personal discussion around divorce, which carries with it huge complexities and deep emotions. This would be the complete wrong platform to even begin to to touch uh, such deep subjects. But what I want to do is look at the intention of these verses. Let's not focus on this from a personal perspective. Rather, let's look at this through the point that Malachi is trying to make. The important thing to note is that this book was written 400 B.C., And times were very, very different back then. Most importantly, Jesus hadn't yet come. And the Jews were in a covenant relationship with God. They were his people. They were set apart by God to be different. And God also promised that through his people, he would bring about salvation for the world, referring to Jesus. And this will be touched on in the coming weeks as Malachi looks at that. But God wanted to keep his people holy and pure and set apart. But the problem is they were human like the rest of us and they kept getting it wrong. They kept sinning. And they spent a large proportion of their time living as exiles in foreign lands. And through this, they'd lost some of that identity. They'd even lost or even forgotten some of their special religious practices and the customs And these were the things that kept them different and set apart in God's sight. And they began to take on local cultures, etc. And that they were influenced by the pagan rituals and lifestyles that were going on all around them. And so they began to lose their identity. Now added to that, 
that they also started to marry into families from those surrounding areas, which then creates divisions and complexities within family units as to which set of rules to live by, as to which faith the children might be brought up in. And by joining these cultures and these practices, it meant that the Jewish customs began to take on a different look. The reality is they watered down their faith. And that's the real implication that I want to draw out from these verses. And that's the application that I want us to consider. You see, there's a massive challenge here for us. Now, I'm not talking about divorce or I'm not talking about interracial relationships at all. What I'm meaning is, in what ways do we water down our faith or allow our faith to be watered down? in the ways that the Jews allowed their, their laws and their regulations to be infiltrated by pagan practices. So let's think about our society and our secular world. In what ways do we allow these things to impact on our faith so that we lose our Christian distinctiveness and allow our faith to be quashed? In what ways do we pick and choose the bits that we like and the bits that we don't like? See, what we see coming through loud and clear in these verses is that indifference towards God soon reflects as callousness and indifference towards one another. We see in these verses the Jews picking and choosing which rules and regulations they would like to follow for their own gain. And the result is family life suffers. The Jewish faith suffers and their relationship with God suffers. And the same applies to us if we allow our faith to be watered down. See, we have uh, later on in this, this, this passage, this chapter 2, an amazing verse, verse 15. God says, So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth. And he repeats this at the end of that same verse, which obviously means there's something important for us to hear there. Guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth. Having looked at these verses from a, a human sense, let's just look at them from a different angle for one second. See, throughout scripture, God often uses the imagery of marriage, of a bride, of a groom, to talk about his covenant relationship with his people. And in this verse, we see God's heart of love shining through. Here is the love of God, clear to see. He pleads that we guard ourselves and that we don't let our love for him be sidetracked with other things that might tempt us away. He begs that we keep faith with him, that we stay in relationship with him and we don't let our love be watered down by other things. Chapter 3 and chapter 4 of this book that we'll look at in the next couple of weeks, they'll go on to show how God's love and his devotion are shown for us. And he asks that we remain devoted to him and that we show that by the way we live our lives and by what we give to God through our time, through our talents and also through our sacrificial giving of money. So as I finish... I know today's sermon is a challenging one, 
And I don't apologize for that. Scripture can be and should be challenging if we're going to be changed by it. But I wonder what's your response to what you've heard today? My prayer is that you will prayerfully reflect on what your heart is saying to you. What is the intention of your heart? What does your giving to God's work at St. Anne's say about that? And how might you respond to that? Let's pray together. Lord, as we reflect upon the words that we've just heard and upon the reading from the book of Malachi, there's a lot of challenging words for us to take to heart. First and foremost, Lord, about what is the intention of our heart when we come to you. Lord, help us to reflect on that. Lord, help us to be changed by our encounters with you. And may all we do be changed as a result of that encounter. So would you challenge us afresh today? Because we ask it in your name. Amen. Good morning. My name's Anne Gerard, and I go to the 915 service at St Anne's. Let us pray together this morning. Dear God, you have brought us to the beginning of a new day. We ask you to renew our hearts with your strength and purpose. Shine through us so that every person we meet may feel your presence. Amen. Lord God, we praise you that you are in control of all things. Please protect our children and keep them healthy. Watch over them and keep them safe. Through Jesus' name. Amen. Think, O God, of all our friends who are ill. We pray that you will bless them with your loving care. Renew their strength and heal them in your loving name. Amen. Dear God, we pray for all the frontline healthcare workers. Please help them, keep them safe and healthy, also their families. Give them compassion for every patient in their care. Teach us to be your faithful people in this time of global crisis. Loving Father, may we hold in our hearts all those whose families or friends have died, thinking of the family of William Bowen, who was buried on Friday. Guide us and heal us in our sorrow. May we comfort each other, even as we are kept apart. Through Jesus' name, Amen. Dear God, we thank you for the blessings of our country and for the freedom which we enjoy. We pray for our Queen and her family and for those who govern in her name. Give them health and strength, wisdom and courage so that they may carry out their many duties in the best interests of all our people. Let those who have power Remember that they are your servants and that your son came to serve rather than be saved. We ask this in his name. 
Amen. Finally, we are at an exciting time at St Anne's. Please bless our clergy, Ian and Matt. Also, all the other people who are supporting the changes that are happening. Give them strength and purpose. May we build exactly what you are leading us to build. Amen. We say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Anne, for leading us in prayer. And also to Stuart for reading, and of course, Tim and Liz each week leading us in praising God through song. It's great to have such a mix of people taking part in these services, isn't it? It would be a bit dull and boring if it was just me and Ian each week. Um, and we know it's not straightforward um, to record things. Um, and sometimes it can be a bit awkward, a bit weird seeing your face on the screen and listening to your own voice. But we really appreciate it for everyone who's taking part. So thank you. And also a very big thanks to Paul Freeman Parle, who works tirelessly each week behind the scenes putting all the different recordings together into one service, adding in readings and extra things like that. Paul spends many hours each week doing this for us and I really don't know where we'd be without him. So Paul, thank you very, very much. Now, earlier in this service, we considered Malachi chapter two. It's quite a sobering passage, isn't it? To think about with all of its warnings and rebukes, it's not easy reading or pondering. So as we bring this week's service to a close, I want to read a prayer from the end of Jude. It's a tiny little letter, which is part of the New Testament right there at the very end. And these two verses remind us that it's only in God's strength that we are able to live lives that honour him. So as we finish, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Saviour be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Well, have a great week. Keep in touch and I hope we get to see each other again very soon. God bless. Oh,